Guys, welcome back to another ESL podcast, another TOEFL IBT speaking. Today, we have ourselves a challenge. Guys, this challenge is going to consist of me speaking about one particular speaking part for you're going to see the transcription, okay? I'm going to break it down, and then I'm going to play one without you seeing it. You're going to take notes, and then you're going to go to my page or wherever, my email, and you're going to submit it for grading. I'm going to give you valuable feedback, people, for free. Ta-ta! So, without further ado, guys, first and foremost, just want to express my gratitude for and thank you for, again, tuning into this. And if you guys have any other additional questions, please let me know because I am all about helping, all right? So, in saying that, guys, speaking part four, it can be very difficult for people who aren't very keen and aren't very good at listening, okay, in general because you're going to have to take out little examples within it. Now, before I proceed, tip number one, ignore the big words, okay? You're going to hear big words such as inevitable, okay? So I'll hurry up and highlight that. Now, again, if you guys are watching me or listening to me on my ESL podcast and you want to see it, go to my YouTube or go to my Facebook page. So we got inevitable inevitable five syllable words during your speaking it could be a problem if you fumble over it you could jeopardize the remainder of your audio okay just letting you guys know now this isn't too difficult but i will outline it substantial guys again adjective you could just say a large amount of water it doesn't matter what word you use the examiners do not care about your big words. I just did an ESL podcast this morning, just uh, in terms of uh, aiming for clarity. You wanna stay away from those really big words because people don't know what they mean. Not everyone knows what they mean. And especially on TOEFL IBT, they're not going to be, ooh, she used a big word. This isn't IELTS speaking, okay? If you're sitting in front of an IELTS examiner and you say substantial, they're gonna go, ooh, substantial, yes, but not with TOEFL IBT, okay, people? So, again, evolutionary, evolutionary, oh, evolutionary, oh my God, could that be six? Possibly, I don't know, I just went with it. So anyways, avoid those, do not write those down. It's all about note-taking, which I still have to do, so stay tuned for that. So here we go, guys, for those of you who are listening to me, I'm going to have to speak this out loud. For those of you who are watching me, you're pretty much, you will, or you pretty much already know what this is about. For those of you, again, who are listening, I'll reiterate this out loud right now. The title is, How a Frog Can Survive in a Desert. So, it reads like this. Desert frogs have developed ways of adapting to hot and dry climates. Those adaptations to Oh my God, that's a huge word. You see what I mean? What the hell is aridity? Can I even look that up in a dictionary? Oh my God. Ooh, let's look up synonyms. Look at that. Look at the synonyms. Dryness, drought. That's all you have to say. Dry. Okay, dryness is a noun. Dry is an adjective, but still. Oh, so don't get thrown off by these ridiculous words that you hear and you're like, oh my God, what the hell was that? 
don't worry, just let it go. All right, so those adaptations to aridity that evolved during dry seasons have helped frogs survive the inevitable droughts. That's all you had to say. One evolutionary adaptation that a frog uses to survive severe dry climates is to retain and store water in their bladder. Because of a frog's highly flexible bladder during most seasons, frogs are able to store a substantial amount of water inside their bladder. Therefore, during dry seasons, frogs release the water from their bladders to keep their bodies moist and their organs functioning properly. Another evolutionary adaptation the desert frog has to survive droughts is a fatty layer below their skin. This fatty layer, in addition to the stored water, like the frog's bladder, is it the frog's bladder or the frog's bladder? Oh my God, there's no such thing as a frog's bladder. If frogs have, if fog has bladder, we have a big problem. So water like the frog's bladder also helps reduce water evaporation during those extremely hot seasons. Ultimately, the desert frog has adapted to hot climates by evolving, you, you, I'm sorry, unique methods of storing substantial amounts of water, which the frog retains for an extended period of time and subsists on during these droughts. So, in saying that, and in saying that, you know, of course, us native speakers have a tendency of fumbling over some words too, and put in fog's bladder for whatever reason that was, you guys get the general gist. For those of you listening, bada bing, bada boom. Now, what we have to point out, and what I have to point out, he said one evolutionary adaptation, that's your key, okay? A one, a next, another, an addition, those are the little things that you're listening for to take out and to put into your own words. So what is the adaptation? Well, how do they survive those dry climates? Retain and store water in their bladder, people. Boom. That's your number one. That's a key specific detail, number one, that you must include. Now, he says, because of a frog, oh, I'm sorry, because of a frog's highly flexible bladder, during most seasons, frogs are able to store substantial amount of water inside their bladder. This is basically a reiteration of retaining and storing water in their bladder. Because it says here, frogs are able to store a substantial amount of water inside their bladder. It's a reiteration. That's all. Do not say that two times. Okay? All right. Therefore, during dry seasons, what do the frogs do? This is a key specific detail that you must include. Frogs release the water from their bladders to keep their bodies moist and their organs functioning properly. Property. Properly. So, that's another key specific detail that you must include in your speaking. Do you understand? Say yes. Fantastic. Now, going into the next one. Another evolutionary adaptation the desert frog has to survive droughts is a what? A fatty layer below their skin, okay? So basically, they could store water in their bladder and they have a fatty layer below their skin. Now, always asking yourself, beckon the question, what does a fatty layer below the skin do? <sighs> in addition to the store water, it helps the, the, I'm sorry, in addition to the storing of the water or stored water, who cares? 
it helps reduce water evaporation during those extremely hot seasons. You do not need to add in the extremely hot seasons. You can say very hot, okay? If you wanna copy it word by word, just make sure you don't forget it, okay? If you forget it, whoop! What's gonna happen during the audio if you forget it? You're gonna have to hurry up and substitute, okay? An intensifier for the adverb. And if you don't, it's still okay because you're still indicating that they are hot seasons, but just be careful. So, and at the end, ultimately, it has adapted unique methods. We already know that. If you wanna include the unique methods at the end, fantastic which the frog retains an extended period of time during these droughts. It's a reiteration of everything. That's literally the thesis of what had been said before. These are your key specific details, people. So in saying that, this is how you break it down. This is how you listen for those details, all right? And so now I have a listening for you. You're only gonna listen. After that, after that, you're going to have to submit your recording. So. Here we go, guys. Without further ado, let's put this bad boy on, if I could find it. Okay, now this one is about ants. So this might be intriguing. Communities are comprised of three different social classes, and all ants belong to one of these social classes. So what are these three social classes? Three socials. They are queen ants, worker ants, and male ants. In today's lecture, we will be discussing primarily the queen ants and worker ants social classes. Specifically, what their differences are and uh, what their roles are in an ant community. First of all, queen ants are responsible for producing offspring. In fact, they're the only ants who can reproduce. As a result, the entire survival of ant communities depend on them. They spend their entire life laying thousands of eggs to make sure they can reproduce enough offspring to maintain the workforce of an ant community. On the contrary, worker ants don't need to reproduce, but instead need to forage for food and care for the queen's offspring. They're also responsible for building the nest and protecting the community. Some worker ants are also known as army ants. They're usually bigger than other worker ants, and they're responsible for defending their ant communities and protect them from predators. Besides their difference in roles, queen ants and worker ants have different physiological characteristics. Like male ants, queen ants are winged, and they are much bigger than worker ants. They're about nine millimeters long and have a glossy black color, but appear to have slight brown stripes on their abdomens. Their wings allow them to move more efficiently, but their bigger sizes limit their mobility. On the other hand, worker ants don't have wings and are much smaller. They're approximately three to five millimeters long and are a dark glossy black, but do not have brown stripes on their abdomens. Although queen ants and worker ants have different roles and physical characteristics, they're both female. They live much longer and are generally considered more important than male ants, whose responsibilities are only for mating. Woo, that is a long one, people. First you talk about their functions and roles, and then the descriptions in terms of their bodies. You have a lot to do, okay? Go back, listen to it. If you're listening to, to it on the podcast, go back, 
try your note taking. Go back, try your note taking. Again, I will be doing note taking in the next video. I promise you, okay? Because, oh my God, every ESL podcast episode has like 30 to 40 different countries. So they're asking for different things. And I'm like, whoa, that's interesting. So guys, you have some work to do. Inquire about it. Make sure you send those audios. Get this free task. Get some valuable feedback. Again, there's a good chance that I will use that little small one to two minute, I'm sorry, one minute little snippet on a podcast in the future. They won't know your name. They won't know your country. They won't know anything. I'm just going to use it to critique it so everyone else can learn from it, including yourself. So in saying that, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to another wonderful TOEFL. ITP speaking. If you guys have any questions or any d inquiries about services, you let me know. I'm your host as always. Stay tuned for more. Over and out.